Chapter Thirty Five of Doom Castle. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Carolyn. Doom Castle by Neil Munro. Chapter Thirty Five: A Damnatory Document. Mungo took the coat into the castle kitchen, the true arcanum of Doom where he and annapla solved the domestic problems that in later years had not been permitted to disturb the mind of the master or his daughter an enormous fireplace arched like a bridge and poorly enough fed nowadays compared with its gluttony in those happier years of his continual bemoaning when plenty kept the spirit perpetually at work if it were only for the good of the beggars who blackened the road from the lowlands had a handful of peat in its centre to make the yawning orifice the more pathetic to eyes that had seen the flames leap there everywhere the evidence of old abundant days the rusting spit itself the idle battery of cuisine long rows of shining covers annapla who was assumed to be true tutelary genius of these things but in fact was beholden to the martial mannequin of fife for inspiration and aid with the simplest of ragouts though he would have died sooner than be suspected of the unsoldierly art of cookery annapla was in one of her trances her head was swathed mountainously in shawls her wild black lambent eyes had the look of distant contemplation lord keepers said mungo entering what are ye doverin on no woken up ye old bitch and guy this coat a dight do ye ken who socht it it belongs to a gentleman that is no like new to get but this same and the back of my hound to ye outedum castle she took the coat and brushed it in a lethargy with odd unintelligible chanting nanna ye old warlock canticles cried mungo ye guy to the lassie to the man that came without in boots sorrow be on the bargain and if it's castin a spell on the coat ye are i'd rather clean to myself with that he seized the garment from her and lustily applied himself a bonny like hustler wife you'll make said he and few'll come back to mungo bite's hostelry if his wife's to be eternally in a devilish dwoom concocting healing spells when she should be stirring at the broth nor that i can blame ye muckle for a want o the uptake in what pertains to culinary airts for what hae ye seen here since the cam away frae the rest o the drove in arroquo but lang kale and oaten brews and mashlam bannocks oh sirs sirs i've seen the day annapla emerged from her trance and ogled him with an amusing admiration and knew it's a bywit it's the end o the old ballant went on the little man i've kept out doom in times o rowth and splendour and knew i'm spared to seat roped the laird a diver and a nameless wanderer over the face of the earth he's gone abroad he tells me and settles to sit doon about dunkirky in france it's but fair maybe that war his forebears squandered he should gang with the little that's to the fore i mind o his father gone away at the last hoved up a fair yusherin 
his een like to loop oot o his head with fat and comin back a poked craw frae the dicing and the drink ne'er doot among the scatter-brained white cockades what na shiplet man the salivy's gotten for her new joe and if i dinna see through them the topies ten the gay at the factor because he played yon ploy with his lads frae the matland barracks and this frenchy's o'er the lugs in love wi her i can see as plain as cowl though it's a shameless thing to say it he's gotten gay far ben in a michty short time yet i saying them that common sent for should sit unserved but wa sent for this billio to france and wha has been sae coothered up as he has since he came here the baron doesna ken the shifts that you and may's been put to for to save his reputation mony ali i told doon there i the clacklan to soothe them oota butter and milk and eggs and a bit hen at times mony a time i hae gien my ain dinner to the gangrel bodies frae glencroe sooner nor hae them think that there was nae wroth or vivers where they never were sent away empty-handed afore i aye keep it my heart up with the notion that him doon by the coat belangs to would hae made a match out and saved us frae beggary but there's an end to that sorry am i and sorry may you be ye old runt to heart for he's been the goat enough friend to me and there would never hae been the red sodger tavern for us if it wasna for the interest in a man that has aye kep up the army annapla seemed to find the dialect of fife most pleasing and melodious she listened to his monologue with approving smiles and sitting on a stool cowered within the arch warming her hands at the apology for flame what the devil could hae told her it was the lad himself was here that nicht wi his desperate chields frae the barracks it couldna be you for i didna tell you myself for fear you would blitter it out and spoil his chances she kent unaway and it was for no ither reason she gate him the road unless unless she has a notion of the frenchman frae the first gliskokin there's no accounting for tastes clap a bonnet on a tawty bogle wi a cock to the a side that's kin on knowing and any woman'll jump at his neck though he micht pat pees through the place where his worm should be the frenchy's no my taste anyway and noo there's sim just think o sim getting the dirty gay by frae a glaiskit lassie half his age and no his equal in three parishes wi a leg to take the e or a hull dancing score and old napdale's money comin till him whenever napdale's gain and i'm here and he's in the date throws already i'll fare the day fotch the frenchy the race of them never brought ocht in my generation to per scotland worth a bodle unless it micht be a new fricassee to foul a stomach with i'm fair bait to ken what this coont wants here drimdrock says he but that's fair ridiculous unless it was the real old bold drimdrock and that's nae ither than doom i winna wonder if he heard a levy air ever he left the france annapla began to drowse at the fire he saw her did not and came round with the coat in his hand to confirm his suspicion that he was about to fall asleep her eyes were shut woken up lucky he cried disgusted at this absence of appreciation 
what ails the body you're into your damnable dram again there's them that gawks enough to think you're seeing sichts when it's neither mair nor less than the head sick laziness and i was ance ane of them myself ye hinna as muckle o' the sicht ye hinna as muckle o' the sicht as what let ye say when levy was makin a gawk o ye to gar ye hang oot signals for old joe a bonny like brewster wife ye'll make i'll warrant he tapped her not unkindly on the head with the back of his brush and brought her to earth again are ye listening ye old runt said he i'm going doon to the tony the afternoon with this braw coat and money for monsieur's in account and if ye're no mere wide awake by that time there's dale the chrysal gain wi old mcnair the woman laughed not at all displeased with herself nor with her rough admirer and set to some trivial office mungo was finished with the coat he held it out at arm's length admiring its plentitude of lace and finally put off his own hodden garment that he might try on the chamberlain's god said he it fits me like an empty ale cask i thought the coont looked gay in that gallochanet but i maun be the bonny do myself and i'm not that wee either for it's ticht aboot the back annapla thought her diminutive admirer adorable she stood raptly gazing on him with her dish-cloud dripping on the floor i wonder if there's not a note or twa on the new bank of the pouches said mungo and began to search something in one of the pockets rustled to the touch and with a face of great expectancy he drew forth what proved to be a letter the seal was broken there was neither an address nor the superscription of the writer the handwriting was a faint italian betokening a lady there was no delicate scrupulosity about the domestic and the good mungo unhesitatingly indulged himself it's not exactly a note said he contracting his brows above the document not for the first time annapla regretted her inability to read as she craned over his shoulder to see what evidently created much astonishment in her future lord well that baits all he cried when he had finished and he turned visibly flushing even through his apple-red complexion to see annapla at his shoulder it's a good thing the sicht's nae use for english right said he replacing the letter carefully in the pocket whence it had come this'll gae back to himsel' and naebody be nane the wiser o't for mungo boyd for half an hour he busied himself with aiding annapla at the preparation of dinner suddenly become silent as a consequence of what the letter had revealed to him and then he went out to prepare his boat for his trip to town annapla did not hesitate a moment she fished out the letter and hurried with it to her master less it must be owned from a desire to inform him than from a womanly wish to share a secret that had apparently been of the greatest interest to mungo doom took it from her hands in an abstraction for he was whelmed with the bitter prospect of imminent farewells he carelessly scanned the sheet with half-closed eyes and was well through perusing it before he realized that it had any interest he began at the beginning again caught the meaning of a sentence sat bolt upright in the chair where annapla had found him lolling and finished with eagerness and astonishment 
Where had she got this? She hesitated to tell him that it had been pilfered from the owner's pocket, and intimated that she had picked it up outside. "'Good woman,' said he in Gaelic, "'you have picked up a fortune. It would have saved me much tribulation, and yourself some extra work, if you had happened to pick it up a month ago.' He hurried to Olivia. "'My dear,' he said, "'I have come upon the oddest secret.' His daughter reddened to the roots of her hair, and fell to trembling with inexplicable shame. He did not observe it. "'It is that you have got out of the grip of the glad. Yon person was an even blacker villain than I guessed.' "'Oh,' she said, apparently much relieved. "'And is that your secret? I have no wonder left in me for any new display of wickedness from Simon MacTaggart.' "'Listen,' he said and read her the damnatory document. She flushed, she trembled, she well-nigh wept with shame. But, oh, she cried at the end, is he not the noble man? The noble man! cried Doom at such an irrelevant conclusion. Are you out of your wits, Olivia? She stammered an explanation. I do not mean... I do not mean this wretch that is exposed here, but Count Victor... He has known it all along. Huh, said Doom. I fancy he has. That was like enough the cause of the duel. But I do not think it was noble at all that he should keep silent upon a matter so closely affecting the happiness of your whole life. Olivia saw this too, when helped to it, and bit her lip. It was assuredly not right that Count Victor, in the possession of such secrets as this letter revealed, should allow her to throw herself away on the villain there portrayed. "'He may have some reason we cannot guess,' she said, and thought of one that made her heart beat wildly. "'No reason but a Frenchman's would let me lose my daughter to a scamp out of a pure punctilio. I can scarcely believe that he knew all that is in this letter.' And you, my dear, you never guessed any more than I that these attacks under cover of night were the work of Simon MacTaggart. "'I must tell you the truth, father,' said Olivia. "'I have known it since the second, and that it was that turned me. I learned from the button that Count Victor picked up on the stair, for I recognized it as his. I knew, I knew, and yet I wished to keep a doubt of it. I felt it so.' and still would not confess it to myself that the man I loved, the man I thought I loved, was no better than a robber. A robber, indeed. I thought the man was bad. I never liked his eye and less his tongue, that was ever too plausible. Praise God, my dear, that he is found out. End of chapter 35